In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, he was raised again according to the scriptures. This is in 1 Corinthians 15, perhaps the most technical definition uh, we find of the gospel in the New Testament. And today we are laser focused on the first part, that Christ died for our sins. And as we commemorate on this Good Friday the death of Jesus Christ by which we have life, as we survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, let us never forget that it is indeed the Prince of Glory who died. Let us consider now and always who it is that died for us, who it is that died for our sins. Let us consider that the blood poured out, the blood which is sprinkled upon the horns of the heavenly altar in the heavenly holy of holies is the blood of the God-man. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Consider afresh, brothers and sisters. Today, marinate in this thought that the one who died is indeed the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten from the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. You find out that the, the God of Isaiah 40 who holds all the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hand, before whom all the nations of the earth are as dust on the scales, turns out to be the suffering servant. Jesus is the creator of the world. He's the agent of creation who reigned in glory with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, before the world was even created. Whoever has and whoever will always enjoy the unceasing praise of the seraphim who cry out, holy, holy, holy. John writes in the prologue of his gospel that all things were made by him, that is Jesus. And without him was not anything made that was made. So consider today that he through whom all things were made made himself as nothing, as Paul says in Philippians 2, that he, that he made himself of no reputation and that he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Again, the king of glory and the suffering servant turn out to be one and the same. Thus we say with the prophet Isaiah, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? That God would save us in this way. That God would love us in this way. 
That not while we were doing everything that we were supposed to do, not while we were being the human beings that God created us to be, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God and the incarnate and crucified and risen Jesus is overwhelming. Jesus went down for us and for our salvation into the muck and mire where we were, dead in our trespasses and sins, so that we might be forgiven and reconciled to God, and moreover, that we might be united with Him, that that He might lift us up to where He is. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Jesus, on that first Good Friday, he bore the mortal wound of our sin so that we could have life, his life, that we could participate in the life of Christ, for life is in the blood. So it is by the blood of the Lord of life poured out in death as the ultimate sacrifice that we who were dead live. The eternal word of God, we know, if we keep reading John's prologue, became flesh. That is, the word became human. He united a complete human nature unto himself so that mankind might be united to God. As St. Athanasius said, and I'm paraphrasing, anything that Christ didn't take up in his incarnation is not redeemed. If Christ did not have a body, then we have no hope of resurrection. If Christ didn't have a human soul, then our souls cannot be saved. Christ is fully God and fully man. Therefore, he is truly, for us, the second and better Adam, whose person and work is vicarious. Everything that Jesus did in the gospel is vicarious. He is our representative He's our substitute. Again, Isaiah 53, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. By his blood shed on the cross, without which there is no remission of sins. Our sins are forgiven. By Jesus' death, death is trampled down. It's exhausted of its power. By his cross, Satan is defeated. By the cross, the world is redeemed and recreated. So let us remember who Jesus is and what he did, and what he accomplished, and that everything he went through on Good Friday, everything he endured, he did so willingly. Yes, Jesus is both priest and victim. He's only a victim in the sense that he was the sacrificial victim. He he submitted himself to these circumstances willingly. 
So the beatings, the mocking, the scourging, the crucifixion are not things that happen to Jesus as passive recipient. The circumstances of Good Friday were not beyond his control and sovereignty. Rather, in perfect adoration and obedience to the Father, and for the sake of mankind, Christ freely offered himself. No one took the life of Jesus. No one killed Jesus. He offered it. Yes, they had him crucified, and they were culpable for that. We read about that in Acts. But, but Jesus was not a failed revolutionary. He wasn't a sort of ideological martyr like Socrates. What does our Lord say? No man taketh it from me, speaking of his life, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. I have the power to lay down my life and take it up again. And we see that power displayed on the cross where Christ chooses the precise moment of his death. We see this in John's gospel. He waits till all is accomplished. He waits till all is fulfilled. And then he commends his spirit to the Father. John 19, 30 when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. What's wrong with that? I mean, what's interesting about that statement? I mean, John can be subtle in his writing, but, but there's something utterly unique about the moment of Jesus' death. He bows his head. And then he dies. Everyone else in human history dies and then bows his head. You die and then you go limp. But not Jesus. He bows his head. Perhaps in one final offering of adoration to the Father. And then commends his soul freely into his hand. So finally, brothers and sisters, as we consider who it is that died and rose again, as we consider the suffering and the ignominious death which Christ endured, as we consider the one oblation of himself once offered, let us in view of the unfathomable riches of the grace and mercy and love of God displayed at Calvary, offer ourselves as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. Let us behold today the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and in response to the crucified and risen Jesus and the love and mercy and grace which he displayed at Calvary, offer the whole of who we are in response. Let us today lose our lives so that we can find them again in Jesus, so that we can truly find them in him, the one who gave his own life so that we could share in his.